Please join me in Psalm chapter 148. When you turn there, you'll notice we're at the very back of this collection of Psalms. We have two left. Joe Gibby asked me, he said, what, what are you going to do with Psalm 150? It's just it's a collection of eight or nine different instruments. And I said, um, if you'll come to the Christmas festival, you'll see us living out Psalm 150. Miss Jida and her motley crew of merry men, all right? And the band members are uh, going to be playing. And um, as I was told, we're going to have, we're going to alternate between them playing. And then also in here, we have a Christmas video and we'll alternate back and forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you're planning on coming. Get some tickets out to your friends. That song they just sung was probably one of my favorite Christmas songs. I do like Christmas music, regardless of what I said earlier that many times, all right? I like Christmas music in the season. That's one of my favorite. And I wasn't looking necessarily to preach on a Christmas theme this Thursday. We have a couple weeks away. We're going to be in Psalm 148. But um, as we go through the psalm, I think you'll see uh, that this is a quite fitting. Uh, Rejoice, all heaven and nature sing. That is the major theme uh, for this psalm that we are uh, going to look at tonight, heaven and nature singing. How many of you in here indicate with the raising of your hands, how many of you enjoy snow? You like a real good snow. Miguel, very excited about it. All right, let me see that again. That was the vast, really, that's the vast majority of you in here, all right? Does anybody feel as adamant against snow as those people do? All right, Terry does, Matt does, Greg and Jonathan, not surprised. Jonathan's against it, all right? His grumpy old man over there, future makings of a great deacon, he's just against it, all right? And... Um, <laughs> But I, I found it interesting that in this psalm, um, it puts snow uh, right in line uh, with, with hell and fire and dragons, all right? So I don't know what that's saying, but uh, when, they're list- when snow's listed, it's, it seems like Terry may be right about it. Um, so the first six, before I read it, let me give you what to be looking for. So we're going to look at heaven and nature saying um, this psalm, the first six verses here, are going to call on heavens to give praise to God. And that's going to happen. And then at the end of those four verses, verse 5 and 6, are going to tell why the heavens should praise the Lord. And then the second part of the psalm is going to talk on earth should give praise to the Lord. And that's verses, in verse 13 and 14, will tell us why it should. And um, there's a big word, anthropomorphic. Okay, I'm not going to say it. I had it earlier in the day. But it's, just, but it's not just ascribing human characteristics to the earth. It is saying that the earth, all of God's creation, should praise his name. And so it's just not poetry. It is literally all the earth is commanded to praise the Lord. We've this, uh, this portion of Psalms, these, uh, at the end of it here, we've said that it starts with praise the Lord and it ends with praise the Lord. And we know that's the word of alleluia. Um, in the Bible, we have um, the word alleluia four times in one chapter. It's not in the book of Psalms. Anybody know what chapter of the Bible alleluia is in four times? Revelation, of course. David's family would know that answer, all right? Revelation. That was going to be his guess regardless, right? What chapter is it in? 19, 5,000 points for the boys, all right? The boys are in the lead, all right? <laughs> Revelation 19, four different times, the word alleluia, which means praise the Lord. And it's more than just let's worship God. It's a command, praise the Lord. The earth is commanded, the heavens are commanded, you and I are commanded to praise the Lord. And just like heaven and earth, we are given more than ample reason in which we should. And so rejoice us, um, let heaven and nature sing. You know that to be a line from joy to the world. The Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. A song about his second coming. And we, heaven and nature will sing as well. 
And so the, the Psalms, if you remember, 150 Thursdays ago or so, or even more than that, so that is, that's a long time, that's several years. We start off in Psalm chapter number one with this contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And you probably could say this with me. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The psalm starts off with this contrast between what the wicked do and what the righteous do. And as it continues throughout the psalm, you see the key calling of us righteous or the righteous and all of creation is the command to praise the Lord. And so all through the book of Psalms, we see a command to praise the Lord. And tonight in this psalm, in Psalm 148, heaven and nature, and this psalm is a pure praise. It means it contains not a single prayer, a plea or a petition, but it's only praise to the Lord. Filled with doxologies, which are just words and, pra- and phrases uh, that we would use in praise when this psalm is, is filled with it. And as God's people, uh, we will never be uninterested in hearing other people praise the Lord. But we also want to evaluate our hearts and, and consider, are there things in this world that are causing, calling us to praise the Lord uh, that we're ignoring? All right, Psalm 148. I'm going to read off 14 verses uh, to you. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all ye angels, praise him all ye hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all ye stars of light, praise him ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. That's our view, the Christian view of creation. He commanded, they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps. And um, it's always interesting uh, when you hear, see the word dragons, not a word we use. The David and Jennifer work at a school that are the dragons, one of the weirder mascots um, in, in the area. But dragons, unknown creatures. How many of you have been to the Creation Museum? And um, in Kentucky, the great state of Kentucky, all right? And um, they have an exhibit occasionally on, on dragons. These just unknown animals, dinosaurs, just big animals that they don't have uh, names for. And so the dragons and all the deeps, fire and hell, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all the judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. This psalm calls for heaven and nature the same. Another lines in joy to the world says, Fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Or no more let sin and sorrow reign, nor thorns infest the ground. May this earth go back to the way it was when God created it um, in the garden, not filling the effects of sin. Other Christmas songs that we sing, um, angels from the realm of glory, we sing all creation join in praising God the Father. A lot of our Christmas songs point us to the fact that someday we will be redeemed and all of this earth will be as well. Throughout scriptures, we're reminded of the power and danger 
of, uh, the, four, of, of, of the earth. The, psalm, um, the psalmist, they invite us to imagine here in Psalm 148, verse number 8, this windy winter storm as it's summoning the Creator and fulfills His command. Verse 8, fire and hell, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling His word. This, this strong word picture of a powerful snowy storm and how it is just fulfilling the command of the Lord. Remember, Jesus is on the boat with his disciples, and he just says to it, the, the be still, that there's no force in this world that we could ever say that is of greater force than our Lord. It just does his, his um, it will obey his command. Psalm 104, it tells us that he established an order in creation. He appointed the moons for seasons, and the sun knoweth his going down. That God has placed an order to it. In creation, then the fall of man, and now the world groans and it waits for the day that it will be redeemed. And we have to have warnings. Creation is um, it's amazing. There's, um, there's two groups of people. Uh, I'm one of the ones that, in, as a Christian, that I do not um, allow uh, nature to call me to praise the Lord as much as I should. I spend too much time in buildings, all right? I don't spend enough time looking up. There's been, I've seen some incredible things. I think about Burkina Faso and laying out underneath the stars and Juan Garcia unplugging my air mattress, and I got him back the next day. I almost drowned him. He was asleep in the car, and I poured water on him, and he was about to be the first man to drown in the desert, all right? Um, but it was like a planetarium. Like, you could not avoid the fact that it was amazing. So there's that one group of people, those of us who neglect to be drawn to praise the Lord by looking at what God's done. But then we also another group. You pray, we all have friends and family members, and I'm so glad Zechariah's got some new friends since he came here. And um, we all have friends and family members that they go too far, right? They worship creation. And uh, you could see, because we're made to worship, you don't have a choice in that matter. So you could see how a person could end up in that. They're going to worship the greatest thing they could see. If you follow different groups, you find different tribes, or if you follow history, people are going to worship the most powerful thing that they could see. The sun would be worshipped at times. But we're warned of this. Colossians 2.18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Don't worship angels. On Sunday when we, we will look at the, these passages where um, they're told to fear not, and you can imagine that a person would be fearful when an angel walks into the scene, into the story. It's going to cause great fear and amazement because it's unlike what we see, the supernatural. In Acts chapter 7, verse 42, it says, Then God turned and gave them up the worship, the host of heaven, as is written in the book of prophets, O you house of Israel, you have offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness, that worshiping the host of heaven. I've told you before that when somebody asks me, you know, what's your, is it zodiac sign or your horoscope sign? I always say something like rhinoceros or unicorn, and then they say, well, that's not a real one. And I'll say, well, none of them are real, you know. And <laughs> since we're playing a game, you know, I was just going to name some of my favorite animals. You name some of your favorite animals. And, uh, but we are not controlled by any um, authority outside of the God of heaven. There's not some... Um, thing in play. There's not some karma. There's not some kind of process. There's not some kind of, well, because you're a, a, I don't even know two different names to say, because you're one and somebody's another one, that the laws of nature mean you're going to get along and, uh, or you're not. 
We're prideful, selfish people. That's why we don't get along. Not because I was born in January and you were born in August. If you were born in August, I'm sorry. Okay, nothing personal there. That's not the reason. There's not some magical influence upon this world that we submit ourselves to. We praise the Lord. We submit ourselves unto Him. And so we're, we're given caution in the Bible. We don't worship creation. We don't worship angels. We don't worship the host. And we don't worship whatever new thing shows up um, on the scene. And as Christians, we ask for discernment when things come through. You know, we, we, the whatever quiz that comes through, what kind of person you are, we don't let those things uh, define us. And, but the world's not divided, as I've said, between those that worship and those that don't. Everybody worships. The world's divided between those of us who worship the Creator and those of us who worship something else, mainly creation. And so someday creation, which belongs to God, will be redeemed. The Bible teaches this redemptive scope of God's work. It includes the entirety of all creation. He will redeem it all. In the New Testament, Romans 8, Paul's going to say it like this. Creature was made subject to vanity and the emptiness. Um, When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the garden changed. And all of creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And so it isn't just us that uh, groan in pain. I felt old today because I fell um, in the hallway. And uh, you know you're young because when you're young and you fall, people laugh. And like, ah, oh, that's funny. But when people are like, are you okay? You're like, I must be old. I've never had so many people concerned about me falling. And it felt different. And, um, but we, <laughs> and so we groan in pain, but we're not the only ones. This earth and creation groan and travail in pain together, all of us together. Through Christ, God's renewing creation, and Paul's word, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. We will in this earth. So the Psalms is it's poetry, and I'd like to share with you an outline by, by Philip Brooks um, on this passage um, that keeps it in still a poetic form. So Psalm 148, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, you'll, you'll follow along here with me. I'm just going to give you some descriptions of the Psalm um, as I read through it. So where God should be praised... Where the Spirit resides, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Where the stars revolve, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you stars of light. Where the sky reigns, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters above. And why should God be praised? It's all originate. He originated all these things. He commanded, and they were created. And He ordained all these things. He made a decree which shall not pass. Verse 6. So praise Him here on this globe. Verse 7 through 10 talks about the psalmist's views of our planet. This restless sea, the raging storm, these rocky steeps, and the royal scene. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all deeps, fire and hell, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful trees and cedars. All those pictures as we look over planet earth. And then it views all people, the heathen, kings of the earth, and all the people, and the princesses, all the judges of the earth, from the greatest to the smallest, you are called to give praise. And the cause of praise, in verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And then to the Hebrews, he says, he says, he has exalted the horn of his people. That speaks about his strength. There's a power that we get to enjoy about our creator, and we praise him. And then the privilege, the praise of all the saints, even of the children of Israel, people near unto him in a position. People near unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord. This call of all creation to praise God is not an empty wish. In Revelation chapter number 5, it tells us specifically that this will be fulfilled 
And as Adam Clark says, Oh, what a hymn of praise is it here. It is a universal chorus. All created nature has a share, and all perform their respective parts. Miss Jita is trying to get this group of band members over there in line, and she's doing a great job. Sorry to embarrass you, Miss Jita. But she is conducting a group of people to praise the Lord. Someday, every instrument will be in tune. Every one of us will do exactly what we're created to do, and it will be the most beautiful orchestra ever imagined when all of the earth praises the Lord as we're commanded. We all do exactly what we were created for. And so we have some reasons we will join the earth um, in praise. It's given there, verse 13 and 14, namely, praising God is the surest sign that we're enjoying God as we should. Let me repeat that for you again. That praising God is the surest sign that you're enjoying God as we should. Verse 13 and 14 tells us to praise the Lord. His name is excellent. His glory is above the earth and his strength is horn and the people are near unto him. And so I'm just going to give you here uh, four different reasons that you should join the earth and the heavens in the praise of God. First one is God alone is worthy of the worship, honor, and praise that he deserves. God alone. Nobody else is a contender for the praise that God alone deserves. His name alone is excellent, verse 13. And then the psalmist is telling everyone to praise God, uh, what they're doing, what all men will do when they speak of what we care about. Praising is what naturally happens. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows in the praise. You hear praise all day long for different things. You, I encourage you to listen for it tomorrow. Listen to people who constantly are praising uh, something. And so it's an it's, it's overflow of an enjoyment of something. And God wants us to be continually praising his name because he alone is worthy of the worship and honor. Secondly here, God is immeasurably greater and more glorious than anything on this earth. He alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heavens. His name is above the earth and the heavens. A quote from the book, The Weight of Glory, it says, The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. This is the part I really want you to listen to. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of the flower we have not found the echo of the tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. We should be looking and be awestruck with what God's done in creation, and we shouldn't stop there. We should be amazed at the Creator, because it is just the tune of a song we have yet to hear. And so God is immeasurably greater than anything else we could see. I could pass around a microphone and ask you, what is the thing that you've seen in life that left you most awestruck in God's creation, what was amazing. And every good man in here would name their wife the first time they met him. That'd be the smart answer, right? And then outside of that, you would tell us about uh, maybe Italy, the, the Gabriel family, or uh, Brett really likes to get lost in the woods and go hiking. I'm sure he's seen some of those things. I've told you before, when I saw the, the Redwood Forest in California, I was so disappointed. I'm like, I'm from Kentucky. I don't want to drive another hour to see trees. I've seen every tree there is to be seen. But when I got out, I, was just, I couldn't speak for a good 30 seconds, all right? And then I just, it was, it was amazing. But all of those are just the scent of a flower which we have not found, echo of a tune we have not heard. Number three, God is the, um, 
um, the only one that could have rescued us. Verse 14, all people are joined in this heavenly song because kings of all the earth and the people, the princes, the judges, both young men and maidens and old men and children, we rejoice because he is the one that is strong, that is able to save us. That's what that horn of strength speaks about. That is in the prophecy given at the beginning of Luke when it speaks about God coming to save us from our sins. Nobody else could save us from our sins. And so we don't waste our God-glorifying lives by waiting to become something else before we can glorify Him. It lists all kinds of people. Today we can glorify Him. Caterpillars glorify God before they become butterflies as well as after. When I was a little kid um, at the church I would go to, they would before we would go in the Sunday school, uh, they didn't have life groups, David. They had Sunday school. And uh, when we'd all go to the front, the little kids, we would sing. And Miss Sandy might have taught people this song before. It says, if I was a kangaroo, I would hop right up next to you, and I just want to give thanks to the Lord. Something like this. No, you don't know this one? And they would just name, um, they would just, it might have been a one-hit wonder there in Kentucky, all right? And then we would, just, we would just like name animals. And like every animal seemed to have a different way in which that animal would worship the Lord. And I would just want to thank you, Father, for making me me. And um, I love that song um, as a kid. I'm going to bring it back, all right? And so... I just want to thank you, Father, for making me me is how it would end, um, whatever the, the animal was. And so here, everything was made to worship him, but as God's creation, cre- um, humans that were fallen in the sin, we have cause to praise him because he is our redeemer. And so we speak with his name about majesty. I want to compare two verses, verse 13 of this chapter that we're in the psalm to Micah. In verse 13 it says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his, excellent, his name is excellent, for his glory is above the earth and heaven. His name is alone is excellent. But in Micah, this famous prophecy about Bethlehem, it speaks of a greater ruler arising in this little town. And it says in Micah 5, 4, And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. There is a majesty unto his name because he is our redeemer. God is our rescuer and it's his strength. He deserves our praise. And then lastly here, from the end of verse number 14, he has chosen to draw near to his people. Everything that he has done in the great plan of redemption is so that we might draw near to him. We would not know him if he didn't make himself known. We could not love him if he did not first love us. We could not go to him. We could not draw near to him if he did not have this plan of redemption. And so why would we hesitate? Psalm 16:11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So draw near with a sincere heart, as it says in Hebrews. A sincere heart praises God and not seeking to praise themselves. Let me end tonight with telling you what happens at the store at the end of the, the book of Job. What most of us want in the book of Job after chapter one. Chapter 1 is the most read book chapter, you know, in the book of Job. Uh, we all like it. We know what's going on. And then it gets difficult for us, changing dialogue. And so we want a theological statement at the end of it. We want it to say, this is what you thought. This is true. This is not true. This is what we want. That's how we want God to answer. But instead, God takes Job on a world tour. He goes to a zoo, in essence. Job 12, 7. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not all these in the hand of the Lord has wrought us. We discover that for all the other things God might have us to do, 
He apparently spends a lot of time delighting in watching these things that he has created. Eagles soar, and hippos being hippos, and he shows this to Job. And so chapter after chapter, God goes on and on about storehouses for snow, or a spectacular night sky, or a deer giving birth to a fawn. Job 38.22, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hell? This is how Alexander McLaren sums it up in Psalm 148. He says, A line of thought which runs throughout the Scripture from its first page to its last, namely, that as a man's sin subjected the creatures to vanity, so his redemption shall be there glorifying. Let me put this in my terms here. Help maybe help you understand what I believe he's trying to communicate here. Is that because of sin and the curse, we have been broken, and we're just now looking at vanity and emptiness. We worship creation. But because of the gospel, we are now able to praise the Lord. And one of the works of sanctification is now to free us to glorify and to praise His name, is to enjoy Him and to see this. And this should happen as we look at nature and earth and so many things. And that doesn't just speak about landscape. That has to do with um, the human body. It has to do with the way things work. I won't go into detail, but the day I was standing by somebody... And life just seems completely doesn't seem to make any sense. And I wanted so bad just to give a theological answer that would take away the pain and the hurt. But I think about the book of Job. And what we could see is we could see that we live in a world that has order. And that we live in a world that has a powerful God. And when it seems like God's out of control, it still rains when we need it to rain. And God takes care of us. And so there's a constant reminder that we don't live in a world that is out of control. But we live in a broken world that God has that one day he will redeem. So I'm going to show you, going to end the night with some pictures. I think about what the first church would have done in the New Testament, and I think things that maybe churches do today they wouldn't have, and we should probably avoid. But there's things that we can do that they didn't do that I think they would have done if they could. That, I don't got enough time to explain it. I hope you got it on the first go. And one of those is to show some pictures. I'm going to show some pictures here, and I can see Apostle Paul setting up a projector when he says, I'm going to teach you here through this psalm. I want to show you some pictures of creation because we don't have time to get in the church van and drive around and let me show you all. But in Job, that's what was happening in Word, and then also in different, here in Psalms, we're getting different pictures. So I'm just going to end here with a few pictures for you, hopefully to help you see how powerful the Lord is. So go ahead and put the first picture up there. Anybody knows what this is? Fungus, okay, something like that. This is a microscopic picture, okay? These are the kind of things that we never see. But if we had microscopes, we could see all kinds of wonders. We could see things that are greater than the Grand Canyon if we could see the, the depth there. And so there's things that we can't see that God has created, and they exist in a way we don't understand. And uh, me and um, Einstein is the few other people who understand this. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I don't, like, I, what holds protons and neutrons together, and how do they stay in orbit together? And how come when we try to take them apart, things go bang? We don't know, all right? But there's something going on there that is a bit beyond our mind. You could take the smallest thing and zoom in on it, and you get to a place where you'd say, we know so much, but we don't know everything. And you would wonder, and you'd be amazed by it. Another picture here, some of the greatest things that, the uh, greatest exploration to be left in this world is under the sea. There's things that people have never seen that are amazing. And if you like to go uh, scuba diving, um, you're crazy. I could not do that. But if you could go under there, you could see these things, and you would just be amazed at um, schools of fish, multiple colors that are amazing that nobody will ever see, but God just created as a creative God, showing off worthy of His glory. 
Uh, next uh, picture here is an animal. I don't know what it is, but ain't it cute? All right. And uh, God made that. I didn't. All right. Uh, chat GPT, no artificial intelligence. That's a real animal. All right. And um, that's, uh, he made that. And we look at that and we say, I can't make that. All right. Uh, next picture here. Uh, this would be, this is a beach. I don't know where it's at, but I want to find out. So me and Stephanie are going to give 2024 to trying to find this beach wherever it's at, all right? She loves that. Look at the colors there, the gradients, the changes there, the red and the blue. Nobody's doing that. If you want to be a great artist, try to replicate that. And you would get within a, some percentage of trying to replicate that, and people would say your painting is amazing. And all you've done is replicated uh, what our creator has done. Some of you might like this next picture a little better. How many of you like this? Mike, is this better for you? You like this better here? Travis, you like that? All right. But Terry hates the snow. All right. And your last name snowed. We're going to have to work through that, okay? And so we have, we have this beautiful snow. God covers it. He just gives a glaze topping every now in the certain parts of the world. It's so beautiful. The next one here is the, is the earth. Um, I was going to put um, the sky. Um, I was going to put a picture of flat earth just to mess with some of you here, but uh, we won't do that. Just the sky. So we can look down microscopically. We can look into the heavens. You get a microscope or you get a telescope, look as far as you can and amaze, but it continues. And then just earth here. And so all of heaven and nature sings. And so praise transforms the rebellious us in the garden who says, I want to know good and evil. I want to be like God. This is what Adam and Eve says. And it brings us to a humble place where we say, Oh Lord, your name alone is to be exalted. Praise positions us, it portions us, it places us where we belong. That is, when we praise God, we acknowledge both to God and the others that we are not the lords of our own lives. He is the greater. And when we praise God, we acknowledge both to God and the others that the Lord is Lord and we are not. It's important that we sing out together. You know, we have people leading us in song. But we sing together because we're using our words to praise the Lord. We are singing these words. We're acknowledging that we are not God, that He is the Lord. I showed you pictures of the earth and nature, and you could look at that, but you could see that in one another. Today I held one of the kids that is in our church here, a family was looking after, and for a little bit, and not to get all mushy in here, but I just looked down and I thought, what an incredible story. God's doing something here. And I had a moment where I just realized that there's a lot of busyness that's going on, but if I would slow down and not just smell the flowers, as they say, but would look at the flowers, I would get a scent of something that is greater. I would hear something that's greater, which is that our God has created this world, and He alone is worthy of praise. And so I want to encourage you. Let's be all worship leaders, not just Stephen, not just Ben and these other people. Let all of us be worship leaders, looking and pointing to things in this world that ought to cause us to answer that command to praise Him. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we will go and uh, pick up our little creations from Awana as, um, and, um, after I pray. We won't sing uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this reminder to let us be moved to praise you, not just when we sing songs, uh, but Lord, what we know from your word when we look out in the creation and what you have done, Lord, we would say that it is um, what you have said, Lord, that is, um, it is good. There's so much brokenness in this world, Lord, but you are, re, you are the Redeemer. And so we praise your name, Lord, from the heavens. We praise you from the heights. We want to praise you from wherever we can be at. All the angels, we want to join them and all the hosts. We want to praise you. We want to join the sun and the moon um, and all the stars of light who show that you are great and that you are wonderful and you are powerful and the heavens, Lord. 
And Lord, we want to praise your name because you have commanded, you have created this world. You have done that and you established them and you made a decree in which it shall pass. Lord, there's an order in this world. It's amazing. Tomorrow the sun will rise, Father, without any of our help and it will also set and none of us will do anything about that. You have done that and we praise your name for what you've established and you've done this through your decree by with your word. It is powerful. We praise your name with all the animals and the fire and all the forces of nature that are just fulfilling your word. Lord, the sea and the wind, it obeys your command. And Lord, as your creation, we do not want to be rebellious. We want to listen, obey them as well. From the mountains and the hills and from the tall trees and the, wherever we are at, Lord, if we're the kings of the earth or if we're among the judges of the earth, if we're young or if we're old, if we're servants or those in authority, you alone are worthy of our praise. And we praise you. Your name is excellent. It is uncontested. Your glory and what you've done is above all of the earth and your strength, Lord, for your people. As your saints, as redeemed people, we praise you for your strength. And we thank you that an all-powerful, mighty God would draw near to us and allow us to know you. We are so very grateful. And tonight we want to praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.